Take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you that we can come together tonight to worship you, to fellowship together around your word. We thank you, Father, that the church is not a building, but the church, Father God, is the believers. And we thank you, Father God, that as believers we can meet together in this way, knowing that you are in the midst of us. And we pray that, Lord, you would minister to us tonight through your word. Minister, Father God, through me, use me, Father, to your glory. Enable me to know what to say and how to say it. And may it be said, Father God, in accordance with your will. We pray that, Father, tonight you be exalted, you be lifted up and you be praised. You'd encourage us, Father God, through your word and you challenge us by your word. And we pray that, Lord, you'd receive all the praise and all the glory as we study together in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, of course, today is Mother's Day. I assume none of you missed that this morning, but uh, it is Mother's Day. And, uh, you know, I'd like to give honour to all the godly mothers and all the godly grandmothers tonight. It was uh, a lady by the name of Anna M. Jarvis who first suggested the national observance of an annual day honouring all mothers. And the reason why she wanted to do that was because she loved her mother so dearly. And so at the memorial service for her mother on the 10th of May, 1908, uh, Miss Jarvis gave a carnation, which was her mother's favorite flower, to each person who attended. Within the next few years, the idea of a day to honor mothers gained popularity. And mother's Day was observed in several large cities in the United States of America. On the 9th of May, 1914, by an act of Congress, President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed the second Sunday in May to be Mother's Day. And he established that day as a time for public expression of our love and reverence for the mothers of our country. And today we hear on the second Sunday in May, observing Mother's Day as we do every year here in Australia, a day to remember our mothers a day to give thanks for them, a day to give thanks to God for godly mothers and godly grandmothers, for godly mothers and godly grandmothers are indeed worthy of praise. They're worthy of thanksgiving. Where would we be without our godly mothers and without our godly grandmothers? And that's why it says here in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse uh, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fills his wise instruction, excuse me, wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Now Solomon in verses 1 through 6 of this proverb has undertaken to teach his son knowledge and discretion. Notice what he says in verse 1. It says, The proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtly to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels, to understand the proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise, their dark sayings. Solomon here 
is seeking to instruct his son in the matter of discretion and knowledge. And he lays down, therefore, two general rules to be observed by all children and all young people in verses 7 and following. The rules that will help our children to walk godly in this present world. The first rule is that children need to learn to fear God. The second rule is that they, children need to learn to honor their parents. And these are the rules that are to, to be taught as well as caught. You know, this is not a matter of just teaching these things. We've got to live these things. These two principles have to be practiced in our lives as much as they need to be taught from our lips as parents. If our children are going to learn how to fear God and respect parents, respect others, then they will learn that from us through what we say and what we do. They are to be taught as well as caught. And as mothers and as fathers, we have a responsibility to our children to help them to have regard for God as their supreme ruler, as their Lord, as their master. And we have a responsibility to teach our children respect those in authority over them. And so tonight as we consider our mothers, may I challenge each of us as parents and grandparents that you and I must instruct our children, as Solomon instructed his son, to follow these two general rules. The first rule that our children must learn from us as parents and grandparents is to fear God. Look in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Psalm lays down a truth for us here as he begins his writings to his son, this book of Proverbs, he writes to his son. The first thing he lays down for us is this divine rule, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The word beginning there means this is the principal part of knowledge. If you want to know anything, then it has to start with a fear of God. It's the head of all knowledge. It's the very foundation of all knowledge. Genuine knowledge can only be found, first and foremost, in a fear of God. Of all the things that are to be taught by you and I as parents, of all the things that are to be taught by anybody, the most important thing that we need to teach is that God is to be feared. And indeed, children need to learn from you and I as parents to fear the Lord. They need to learn to reverence Him, to serve Him, to worship Him. Because if they're going to be in stand a good step for when they get to be older and get to be teenagers and get to be uh, young adults and then become adults and parents, the principal thing they need to learn is an understanding of who God is and have a respect and a reverence for God that causes them to serve him. And the only place that comes from is the fear of the Lord. The word fear here in verse 7 means an affectionate reverence that causes us to humbly and carefully bow to the Father's will. A affectionate reverence that causes you and I to humbly and carefully bow to the Father's will. This is the beginning of knowledge. Because for those who do not know this, really know nothing. You know, it says in, in, uh, in, uh, later in the Bible, we're told that uh, 
in our world today, they're ever increasing in knowledge but never coming to the truth. And we live in a world today that is overwhelmed with knowledge, information, and you know, even in this coronavirus, we've seen the information, technology, and information of statistics and information overload. But how many of these people in all of this discussion, do you hear them talk about God? You know, there's all the fear, there's all the worry, there's all the concern, but at the end of the day, the one we trust in, in the midst of all this is God. The beginning of knowledge is a fear of God. If you don't have a fear of God, then you don't really know anything. And as parents and as grandparents, we need to teach our children to fear God. That's you and I need to instruct them. And you and I need to discipline them in an understanding of this knowledge of God, of who God is that they understand his majesty, they understand his authority, they understand all about him, his glory, and they stand in awe of him, so much so that they bow down reverently before him, asking him what is his will for their lives. We need to teach our children so that they are about God, so they might reverence him, and ultimately they might serve him. This is the principal part of knowledge. You and I can teach our children mathematics, we can teach our children English, we can teach them science, we can teach them uh, about how to cook, we can teach them how to sew, we can teach them how to wash a car, fix a car, you can teach them all these things. But if they do not know God, and they do not reverence God, and ultimately therefore bow down before him and acknowledge him as their God, then they really know nothing. Their lives all amount to nothing. They might become the richest, wealthiest, knowledgeable person in the world, but if they know not God, they really know nothing. Because the beginning of knowledge is to fear God. In order for our children to obtain useful knowledge, then they must learn to fear God. One commentator said this, we're not qualified to profit by the instructions that we are given unless our minds are possessed with a holy reverence for God. You know, as believers, we have a different outlook on life, don't we? You know, when we look at this, this coronavirus that we're going through at the moment, as believers, we understand that this did not catch God by surprise. It might have caught governments by surprise around the world, but didn't catch God by surprise. He knew that we would be in lockdown. He knew that we would be preaching to you via technology. He knew all of that. It didn't surprise God. Nor does it surprise God when somebody catches COVID-19. We have nothing to fear when we trust God. We have a different outlook on life. Because if you and I understand who God is, and if you and I have a fear of God, it turns our thinking differently. We have a different knowledge of things. And that is our children. We need to help them to understand that every thought within us must be brought into obedience to God. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. Let's pick it up in verse um, 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, are the pulling down of strongholds, 
casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. See, we don't walk in the flesh. We don't war after the flesh. We are walking, uh, we're raging a warfare. There's not a carnal warfare, it's a spiritual warfare. And therefore, every thought needs to be brought into captivity, the abundance of Christ. As you and I war this warfare, as we wage the war that we live in in this world against the forces of darkness, then you and I need to know God. We need to bring every, every one of our thoughts out of subjection unto him. That you and I think like he thinks, that we see things through his word. And the same is true for our children. Because you see, those who know God will learn to fear God. And those who fear God will be careful to please him. Because they will be fearful of offending him in anything. The fear of God is an amazing thing. It's not, it's not, it's not something whereby we're shivering and cowering in, in fear of him, a fear that he's going to zap us dead one day, but it's a reverential respect of who he is, of his authority, of his power, of his abilities, and so that you and I, as we go through life, have such a confidence in Almighty God that we see everything through the sights of Almighty, through the eyes of Almighty God, and that then, uh, uh, enables us to have a spiritual insight into things that the world doesn't have, that allows you and I to walk through life with confidence. And that's what we want for our children, surely. We want our children to grow up with such a confidence, such a, a, a commitment, such a, 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 a knowledge of who God is, that they are so committed to him that they see everything through his eyes, through his word, and therefore life becomes this this picture of what God wants, they see it God's way, and then enables them to walk that straight and narrow way and not get distracted by the world and by the, the things of, this, uh, of their friends and their neighbors, but they're keeping their eyes firmly fixed upon the narrow road, keeping their eyes looking onto Jesus, the author and finish of their faith, and then walking through life with precision and security and vision for the glory of God. And that starts with the fear of God, because that's the beginning of knowledge. You know, if the children know God, and if they know God, the word of God, it will help them make wise decisions and wise choices in their life. He'll help them to know what is right and what is wrong and help them to do what is right when we're not around. You see, our relation to God does have an impact upon our walk. The closer we are to the Lord, the more our walk is very much signaled into that narrow way and we don't stray to the left or the right. We just continue to keep on the path of righteousness. And that's what we want for our children. Or at least that's what we should want for our children. In John 7, 17, it says, If any man will do his will, that's if any man will do God's will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. If you want to do the will of God, then you have to know the doctrine of God. In other words, we need to teach our children the truth of God's word. They need to know who God is 
And we need to reveal the very character of God out of the word of God. We need to teach them God's word that they might know him. And to know him is therefore to reverence him. And to reverence him is to give them the beginning of knowledge. If our children learn to fear God, there will be in their hearts a holy watchfulness. Go to Hebrews 12, please. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, verse 28. Hebrews 12, 28. Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. If you and I will indeed have a fear of God, if we'll teach our children to have a reverential fear of God, and they will... They will therefore walk acceptably. They will serve him acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Why? Because God's consuming fire. If they understand who God is, if we teach them the character of God, teach them the very nature of God, help them to understand the very person that you and I worship and love, if our children can gain a knowledge of who God is and gain a reverential respect for Almighty God in their hearts, it will make a difference in how they live. And if our children have a holy fear of God, they'll have a holy watchfulness. They will watch their step. They'll watch where they walk. They'll, st- they'll see what they are, uh, where they're going and they will also make sure that their speech and their character reflects the character of Almighty God. And to confirm this truth, Solomon goes on in verse 7, he says that, Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. He says, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Solomon observes here that atheists, those who have no regard for God, despise wisdom and instruction. You know, the reality is that fools have no dread of God. They have no fear of God's wrath. They have no desire of God's favor. And they will not give Uh, any joy to anyone who's telling them about God. Fools just don't want anything to do with God. They want to reject God. They don't want to acknowledge who God is. They don't care if uh, uh, they obtain God's favor or not because they simply do not want to listen to wisdom and instruction. Fools despise wisdom. Fools despise instruction because the fear of God is not before their eyes. You see, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools reject God. They despise wisdom and knowledge. They don't really want to know what is wise. They don't really want to know what is true because they don't want to know God. Psalm 34, 1 says, The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. You know, if people do not have a fear of God before their eyes, it makes a difference in how they live. That's why our world is so messed up. That's why our world is the way it is, because people do not have a fear of God before their eyes. If people genuinely feared Almighty God, it would make a difference to how they live. It would make a difference to how they behave to one another. It would make a difference to how they behave to governments. It would make a difference about how they behave to 
to relationships, it would make a difference how they're related to parents. If people really truly had a reverential fear of Almighty God, it would make a difference. But a fool is someone who does not fear God, doesn't value the Scriptures. And our prayer for our children as parents and grandparents ought to be that they will not grow up to be fools. You know, somebody can be the smartest mathematician and still be a fool. Someone can be the most brilliant scientist finding the cure for for some of the most uh, deadly diseases and still be a fool. We have a lot of foolish scientists, a lot of foolish mathematicians, a lot of foolish government officials because they don't know God. And better that our children know and fear God than to be wealthy. Better than know fear, know and fear God than they be, uh, be the ac- uh, gain accolades as being the smartest people on the planet. Better that they know and fear God because that is the beginning of real knowledge. Knowledge that makes a difference. Knowledge that affects eternity. And as parents, our desire for our children ought to be that our children learn to fear God that they would grow up with a love for God and for his word and that they will learn while they're young to fear him. And that task falls on our shoulders as parents and grandparents to help them to learn to fear him, both by what we teach them and how we live. It's not just what we say, it's how we live and behave around them that they can actually see that we reverentially respect Almighty God. The same God we're telling them to fear that we also fear by the way we live day by day. The first rule that children need to learn is to fear God. The second rule that children must learn is to respect parents. Verse 8. My son... Hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Here Solomon connects the fear of the Lord with reverence for parents. Now, we've got to understand that here in this command of verse 8, where he commands children, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. The command here presupposes that parents are godly. Okay? that what is true in verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, is true of parents. And therefore, because parents have a reverential fear of God, they will then instruct their children with godly truths. So, verse 8 presupposes that parents are godly. And verse 8 also recognizes that both parents are responsible for the upbringing of their children. Because in this verse it talks about fathers and mothers. So you and I need to understand that when we come to verse 8, this challenge to children, it starts with you and I as parents and grandparents. If they're going to hear the instruction of their fathers, then what they hear needs to be worth listening to. We are to be teaching them the fear of the Lord and they are to hear what we're saying. When it says, forsake not the law of thy mother, the law that the mother lays down needs to be dependent upon her fear of God. 
Her reverential respect for God ought to generate the law that she lays down for her children. Verse 8 presupposes that we have godly parents who are teaching godly wisdom to their children. The Lord assumes here, or rather Solomon here assumes in verse 8, that we're doing what is commanded in verse 7. That as parents, we are not fools, but that we are wise. That we are not fools, but we have knowledge because we fear God. So Solomon goes on to say, My son, hear the instruction of thy father. Here he challenges children. He would have all children to willingly show respect to their parents. This is a challenge to them, that because the parents are carrying out the command of verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning, the, the, the beginning the, sorry, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Because they have a fear of the Lord and therefore they're knowledgeable, then the children will respect their parents and listen to them because what they're saying is worth listening to. Solomon's given a direction to all children here in verse 8 to hearken to the instruction of their parents and the obey, obey the commands of their parents, because the instruction and the commands of their parents is indeed worth listening to, because it is coming from parents who fear the Lord, who have the beginning of knowledge. As I said, it assumes that we will teach our children about God and about his word. They were teaching them about the character of God and the doctrines of God that they might know what is right and wrong from the word of God because we as parents are in, in right relationship to Almighty God, that we are seeking Him, that we know Him, that we fear Him, and the knowledge we have is coming from Him. And therefore we're imparting that knowledge to our children. And if our children are challenged to conform to the practical instruction and the religious education which parents give. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment of promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. So children are to obey your parents, what? In the Lord, for this is right. The presupposition here, in, even in Ephesians chapter 6, is these parents are in the Lord. These parents have a right relationship to Almighty God. These parents have indeed have a fear of God, and therefore they have the knowledge that comes from God, and because of that, children are to obey their parents, they are to honor their father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. The promise is that it may be well with thee and you may live long on the earth. As I said, it takes it for granted that parents will instruct their children. In verse 8. And I can't overemphasize that. When it comes to us giving commands to our children, children obey your parents. Honor thy father and mother. The premise upon which these things are written is that the parents themselves are godly. 
it presupposes that the instruction we're going to give them is based upon our knowledge of God. And the challenge for us as parents is that we give instruction that is for their good. That you and I punish them for disobeying, that we reward them for obeying, and that punishment and reward is based upon our knowledge of the character and the word of God. You know, as parents, you and I must not give them rules without instruction. Look what it says in Ephesians 6.4. It says, And fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. As parents, we've got to be careful that when we're instructing our children that we don't incite them to wrath. That we don't cause in them frustration and anger because of what we're saying is not matching what we're doing. What we're expecting them to do is not what we are doing. You and I are to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You and I have got to fear God that we might get that knowledge that comes from God so that we might bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so that they in turn will respect us and fear God. Go to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 21, please. Colossians 3, 21. Uh, verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Once again, children are to obey. That's a command of God. I'm not trying to somehow diminish that, that responsibility that is laid upon children. Children are to obey. Children are to honor their father and mother. That is a, an expectation of Almighty God. But as parents, we need to make sure that we're not causing our children to be discouraged. Because what we're telling them to do is not what's in tune with what God's Word says, or what we're telling them to do is not in character, in tune with what, how we live. You know, we tell, we tell them what they must do, then we must tell them why they are to do it. And you know, because I say so is not a reasonable reason for obedience. Now, I'm, I don't know, parents, if you can remember this, but when your parents said that to you, it always seemed like a, a pretty lame reason for doing things, wasn't it? You know, why, Dad? Well, because I said so. Another one is, you know, do as I say, not do as I do. Well, that's a dumb statement. I mean, if what, if what you're asked them to do is not something you would do, then why are you asking them to do it? You see, you and I as parents have such a responsibility to have a fear of the Lord and then gain that knowledge that comes from that fear and reverence of Almighty God so that you and I might instruct our children in the ways of the Lord so that, that may make it easy for them to obey us and to honor uh, their fathers and mothers in the Lord why? Because we're teaching those, those things that do not cause them to be discouraged or do not cause them to be brought to wrath because they can see the truth of God's word played out in our lives, enacted in our teaching, and they can see the wisdom of that. And that's what Solomon's talking about here in Proverbs chapter 1. We are to establish biblical principles upon which we base our rules. And then you and I can enforce those principles and those rules in the home. 
See, one of the things that you and I as parents need to understand is that heeding our instructions is not to be blind submission. God never intended children just blindly to obey. He doesn't expect that of you and I, does he, as believers? God does not expect just blind submission from us. God spells out in his word why it is we are to do certain things and why it is we're not to do certain things. God instructs us as his children in the ways that are right. And when it comes to our children, when we ask them to obey, when we ask them to submit themselves to our authority, it is not to be blind submission. It is to be based upon instruction. If our children are to, are to obey, because the Lord gave them parents, then it ought to be because we have something worth obeying. It's helping our children to obey because the Lord gave parents to be their guides and instructors of children and wisdom. And if our children have respect for us, if they're to do what it says in verse 8, my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother, if our children are to do that, if they're to have respect for us as their parents then we're not to expect blind submission from them. You and I need to give them reasons for their instruction. There's a day coming with all young people where they're going to have to make a decision for themselves. An event will happen in their life, sometime in their life, whereby they will be confronted with a, a, a decision that has a right and a wrong and they will have to make that decision on their own. And as they stand at that crossroads to say, well, mum and dad wouldn't like me to do it, is not going to wash. They need to be able to look at the decision. They need to be able to say, what would Jesus do? And because you and I have instructed them in righteousness... You and I have helped them in the fear of the Lord to gain the knowledge that God wants them to have. As they stand there in that moment, they can look at that thing and they can say, I know what I'm going to do because this is the righteous path. This is the straight and narrow path. I'm going this way and I'm going to reject the broad way. And they will make a decision of themselves. But if you and I as parents have not instructed them when they're young, when they get to that decision-making process, it will almost be potluck which way they go. And many times they'll choose the wrong path because that's the path of least resistance. But what we want for our children, what I want for my grandchildren, what I want for my children, what I want for my grandchildren, is that when they get old enough and they have to make those decisions on their own, they make them based upon the authority of God's word because as a parent, as a grandparent, we've managed to teach them the principles of God's words so that when they stand at that crossroads and they're all alone, there's no one to tell them what to do, that they in their heart of their hearts have a conviction based upon the authority of God's word to choose the straight and narrow way to the glory of God. Isn't that what you want? I'm sure it is. It's what I want. It's what the Lord wants. And you know, as a grandparent, it's good to be able to look at your children and be able to say, well, praise God, by God's grace, somehow we managed to achieve that. 
And as I see my grandchildren growing up, my prayer for them is that my children will instill in them the same principles we try to instill in our children, they instill them in the grandchildren, that they too will walk on that straight and narrow path. That's our desire. And that's what Solomon's talking about here. He wants children to respect their parents, but if they're going to respect their parents, then those parents have got to have enacted the principle of verse 7. He says, we instruct, as we enforce the law in the home, what we're enforcing is the law of God. So they will walk in the knowledge of God day by day, so that when they leave home, they'll keep on that walk. One commentator said this, is children are corruptible and willful, and therefore with instruction there is a need of law. Proverbs 22.15 says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Children, by nature, are foolish. They will do dumb things. And as parents, we have a responsibility to help them to understand the principles of righteousness so they don't do dumb things. But they'll walk righteously. As parents, we must do all that we can for the good education of our children. See, we need to understand as parents that instruction in the home must be enforced, and it must be enforced by love. We need to lovingly help our children to know God, to know his word, to know his will, so that they might in turn respect us as their parents and walk godly in righteousness. To this end, Solomon then charges children. I say all that to now get to verse 8, okay? Because verse 8, unless we get the principle of the fact that what God assumes here in verse 8 is that godly parents will give godly instruction to children. And it's upon that premise that Solomon then says that children are to both receive and retain good instruction from their parents. To receive them with readiness to hear the instruction of thy father, he says. My son, hear the instruction of thy father. Let's hear it and heed it. Let's hear it and welcome it. Let's hear it and be thankful for it and subscribe to it. Children, listen to your parents. Children, be thankful for your godly mothers, your godly fathers, and listen to your parents. Listen to your father. Hear what he has to say. If your parents set boundaries for you, give thanks to God for them and live within them, even if you don't understand them. You know, I don't understand it. Dad wants me to do this. I don't understand why he won't let me do this. Give thanks to God for it. You may not understand it, but praise God that he has boundaries. You know, Dad won't let me wear this. Dad won't let me watch that. Dad won't let me play this game. Dad won't... just. Accept that your father loves you sufficiently enough to set boundaries for you. And while you may not understand now what the parameter, why the parameters are set where they are, you will one day, because your parents are striving to be godly and raise you up with a godly understanding that your convictions might be your own. If your parents set up rules, thank God for them. Don't fight against them. Thank God for them. Don't despise your parents. 
Because remember this, they're trying to obey God. Godly parents and godly grandparents are trying to obey God. We are doing our best. We fail. We make mistakes. We don't get it right all the time. And if we're honest parents, we'll acknowledge that even to our children. We don't get it right all the time. We make mistakes. We blow it. We, we get it wrong. But if your parents have rules and boundaries, don't despise them. Thank God for them. Learn from your godly parents. And if you do, those lessons will stand you a good stead as you get older. Now, you may not appreciate them, as I said, but one day you will. Therefore, learn them while you're young. Solomon goes on and he says, not only to hear the instruction of thy father, but forsake not the law of thy mother. The word forsake not means retain it and obey it. Young people, you should pay respect to your father, but God's word demands that you honor your mother's. Your mother ought to be so precious to you that you ought to love her and honor her and show her due respect. Now that, of course, implies and means, mothers, that you need to be godly, a godly example to your children. And any mother who is godly will instruct their children in the best manner they can. But Solomon here reinforces the fact that not only do you listen to your, hear your dad's instruction, but you are to heed your mother's instruction. Forsake not the law of thy mother. And the reason he does this is because children are apt to ignore the directions and instructions of their mothers. But the Lord says that whatever law mum lays down comes with equal authority, equal weight as that of dad. You know, I'm sure most children have heard mum say, wait till dad comes home and he'll deal with you on this matter. But the reality is mum should never have to wait till dad gets home because children ought to respect their mothers as much as their fathers because her law carries as much weight with Almighty God as dad's does. Forsake not are strong words. In fact, they're stronger than what he says about dad. He says, my son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Godly mothers will have something worth listening to, worth learning, worth taking heed to. So, retain it and obey it. Now just quickly, Solomon goes on, declares why. In verse 9 he says, For they shall be an ornament of grace upon thy head and chains about thy neck. He says, if the instructions and the laws of thy parents are carefully observed and you live up to those instructions, they shall be an ornament of grace upon thy head. Obedience will make young people look as great as those who wear gold chains about their neck. There is something wonderful about an obedient child. The instruction and discipline of wisdom may at first seem difficult and hard. They even may feel like fetters of iron rather than chains of gold around the child's neck. But in time, they will become chains of gold. They'll be worn like ornaments 
of great pride and not be a burden at all. If you'll heed the words of your father and your mother. And Solomon ends this section and then he moves on to more of that same section. In verse 10 he says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Basically he says this, If children learn to fear the Lord, and they heed the instructions of their parents, they will be able to identify when sinners entice them, and they will be empowered to consent not. That's the reason why we're teaching our children to fear God. That's why we're teaching our children to know God. That's why we're teaching our children the Word of God, so that when sinners entice them, they will not consent. Because they all know that they have been enticed by sinners. And they will not consent. They won't be enticed by them. They'll be empowered to stand against them. People, let divine truth, parental commands, be of great value to you. Value them. And then they shall be a blessing to you. And people, may I tonight, along with Solomon, challenge you today, fear the Lord and hear the instruction of your fathers and forsake not the law of your mothers. And as parents, let each of us make a commitment today and as grandparents make that same commitment today to instruct our children to fear God and establish laws based upon biblical principles that will help them fear the Lord and live within his boundaries. I trust every one of us will strive to fear the Lord and live for him today. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word this night. We thank you, Father, for the truth of this challenge from Solomon to his son. May we, Father God, be wise as parents and grandparents. May we learn to fear the Lord, which is the beginning of knowledge, and then may we take the knowledge that we learn from our knowledge of you to teach our children so they might in turn wear uh, their uh, lives, uh, live their lives rather, according to your glory and your honor, so that when sin is enticed them, they will not consent, but they will stand to the glory of God. Commend your word to our hearts this night. Bless our mums, we pray. Bless this day, we pray in Jesus' name.